Today's lesson text comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 3, verses 20 through 32. We kind of have to use the, the long reading to catch what Mark is doing here. Last week we looked at Jesus calling and appointing the twelve, and continuing in the same strain, Mark is going to hear how Jesus described who his family truly is. In a way, this is one of the best Mother's Day texts, and we're using it on Father's Day. But I want you to pay attention to the narrative here, because I've spoken a lot about marking sandwiches, which is Mark's habit of taking one story and placing another story in it, so that way it concludes, it all wraps together nicely. And this is probably one of the strongest examples of that. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Then Jesus went home, and the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard about it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He's gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has the Zelzebub, and the ruler, and by the ruler of demons he cast out demons. And Jesus called, and he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. He said, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Then Jesus' mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they said to him and called to him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who is my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that through the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts, we may bring honor and glory to you. Amen. So to just explain how Mark is building today's double-decker marking sandwich and what the text is doing, we start off with Jesus going to his home. Now, obviously, it's not a Spanish home because his family hears about it and has to come get him. But we get how his family is reacting to Jesus being a minister in verse 21. When his family heard about it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, he's gone out of his mind. Marjorie gives us a little domestic peek into how Jesus came across 
to these brothers and those people that were close to him. There's in the Jewish literature, in the Apocrypha, the book of Syrac and the Wisdom of Solomon, this image of an apparent proverb about a man who's so pious, everybody thinks he's crazy. How many of us have run across someone who's just one of those Jesus freaks playing their guitar on the beach, or maybe that's just a Californian <laughs> in But have you ever come across somebody who was really serious about their religion, and, and I dare say was having conversations that, that if you stuck around at their dinner table, maybe, just maybe, somebody might get saved? Because this person was really on about it? Well, that was Jesus times two, times three, times four. He, Mark has introduced Jesus as this preacher, and, and, I've, and I've tried to focus on it, who comes and says, the kingdom of God is here. Not coming like John the Baptist did. It's actually here. And because it's here, it's today's problem. It's imminent. Just think, we, we talk about salvation. We talk about salvation and the coming judgment. But for most of that, us, we, we try to say, well, that's at least 40 years down the road. There is always this sense in even the most religious Christians that there's the religion of today, there's the little bit that you do, but eventually you'll get to the deathbed confession. Eventually you'll get to the point where you take it really serious, and we try to always shave that down to the smallest little bit that we can. Now Jesus is, it's now and it's real, and he's going about and he's preaching. And we also know from the other Gospels how Jesus was living his life. He wasn't working. He was calling to him a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and other dudes that were not gainfully employed either. And they were roaming around the countryside picking fights with all of the rabbis, aka pastors, in the area. So just think about yourself if you were having a son like Jesus or a brother like Jesus who was going around standing on the street, street corner telling people repent because this is it going to all the churches and getting in a fight with all the leaders and disturbing everybody at church. That's Jesus. And we just see here in Mark that in a natural way, his family hears about all this and they say he's gone out of his mind. Now, one of the commentators pointed out that Mary plays a role in this one. I will only here get into the fact that Mary, even though we have the whole Christmas story, even though she knows Jesus is to be the Messiah and the people, whatever is going on in Mary's relationship to her son and his role of Messiah isn't quite here complete. His brothers in the Gospel of John are constantly on Jesus. They, it, it eventually says that they don't believe him. We have James, the brother of Jesus, who writes the epistle later. So after Jesus comes back, that shifts. But Mary here does not have the faith herself to stop these brothers, the family, and, and the Greek here is for all the family, so it's kind of like the uncles and that, that awkward family meeting. It's kind of like they want to stage an intervention for Jesus, and not even Mary sitting there and standing up. But just for moving on, the important thing here is they're thinking he's gone out of his mind, 
and what his opponents are going to say next are very related. So in verse 22 we have the next movement, and this is where Mark inserts the second story. He has scribes who come down from Jerusalem. So Jesus isn't just getting talked about in his family. The pastors, the rabbis, the folks he's talking to have sent back to HQ, and HQ is sent out inquisitors. Basically, scribes who check and see that Jesus is doing everything by the book. And when Jesus' family says, well, maybe he's insane, the very spiritual scribes say the same thing, but in spiritual terms, saying, in verse 22 still, he has Beelzebub, or Bezebul. And by the ruler of demons, he casts out demons. So they say, not only is this guy crazy, but he is using black magic and all the stuff that made him crazy to do the good that he's doing. And so Jesus takes a bit of exception to that, and we get one of the scariest verses in the Bible. First off, Jesus points out, how can Satan cast out Satan? It is not in the nature of evil to destroy evil. It, it's kind of like that Chinese proverb of the scorpion and the frog. Just to tell it real quick, a scorpion wants to ride across the lake, he asks the frog to do it, the frog isn't too bright and decides to do it. As they're swimming across the river, the scorpion, who promised he wouldn't sting the frog, stings him anyways. The frog says, well, why did you do that? And the scorpion says, I'm a scorpion, it's my nature. Evil does evil things. And Jesus here is just pointing out that healing people, that casting out demons, that setting people's life straight is not in the interest of evil, particularly Satan and the demons, the super evil guys. So he just uses, he just, he just wipes out the whole argument. And he expounds it in two ways that are going to come back up. So the first one he says is how can a kingdom that is divided itself against itself, it cannot stand. So Jesus, who has been preaching the kingdom of God and inviting people to join the kingdom of God, he's rebuking these Pharisees who said, these scribes who said he's casting out demons with demons. But right here, he's also pointing out to his church very subtly, if Satan's kingdom cannot be divided, my kingdom cannot be divided either. And sensing what's going on in his own household, Jesus again rebukes the Pharisees in 25, and if a house is divided against itself, the house will be not unable to stand. So Jesus is here pointing out he's the same fellow who said whoever doesn't, and it's unfortunate, but we have to translate it that way, hate mother, father, brother, sister, cannot follow me. The Jesus who said that the loyalty to him will override familial loyalties, will override national kingdom loyalties. That divisive Jesus is getting in here and saying that his preaching the gospel, his zealousy, if his family has a problem with it, then the house will not stand. And he's using this context to wipe out the scribes' argument. And he just sums it up in 27. You can't rob a strong guy's house unless you take care of the strong guy first. Common, common just sense. 
But then Jesus now, pointing out that, pointing out one of these verses that kind of tries to put us in the shoes of the scribes, gets to 28. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they said he had an unclean spirit. Now I invite you to talk to me afterwards if this one is, is, is sticking out to you today because it is a very complex one and I don't want to make the mistake of going for this person and spending the whole sermon on it. But in short, I go with the old church. There was an old church father who said this verse is actually really good because Jesus, even when he's really, really mad at somebody, gives the gospel. As he tells us first, people will be forgiven their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. The Greek is all of it. So Jesus is here giving us permission to say every single sin is forgiven except for this one. And it's not clear that Jesus is giving any warning to the Pharisees because they've exactly committed what Jesus is saying they would not want to do. And that is basically saying that when the Holy Spirit moves and when God does good, that it is healing from an educated and knowledgeable position. That is not something that God forgives. So when Jesus is moving by clarity to the Holy Spirit, doing things that only someone who has the Holy Spirit can do, in accordance to and obedience to scripture and everything these scribes had studied their whole life that when they sit there and say no, no, that is evil it is a twisting of the heart that goes down deeper than the level of I'll believe it when I see it and many of us and, and many times I, when I try to share the gospel with people I, I get that answer well, I'll believe it when I see it Jesus is here talking about people who, when they see it and have said they believed it, well, no, 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 doesn't count that time, Jesus. I'm not saying if that's ever been your response that you have committed this. The best way to tell that you haven't is that you're concerned. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin for in order for repentance. So anyone who's ever committed this one, you're sitting there thinking, nah, I'm good. Always be worried to say when you think, eh, I'm good. But moving on. In verse 31, Mark ties the boat. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. So we go back to the story where his family thinks that he's crazy, and Jesus is debating scribes who think that he's crazy. Well, no, they think he's possessed. And in this crowd, someone sends in and says, Hey, Jesus, your mom is looking for you. I kind of wish that the addition that's found in Luke was here, where someone yells out, Blessed is the womb that bore you, Jesus. And Jesus replies, No, 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 blessed is he who does my father's will to just tie the one up even tighter. But Jesus' family is trying to get in at it. They're trying to use the fact that their family, that they have this interpersonal connection with him, 
but they can't get through this crowd. They can't get through the people that are listening to Jesus, and they can't even get through Jesus' opponents in this case. And Jesus gives a reply that is today's gospel message. Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. We live in a town that is highly Catholic. And many of you, including myself, have had contact with that system. And one of the aspects of Catholicism that Protestants don't share is the idea that Mary is closer to Jesus than all the rest of us. And even in Protestant parts, it is considered that these disciples, like Peter, James, John, well, they actually saw Jesus, they actually knew Jesus. They, they were better Christians than us, and better Christians than we could ever be. And here Jesus is putting that one to rest, any idea that, that his mother gets special access or anything. Because when she thinks he's crazy and isn't on board with the gospel presentation, there is a crowd of people who are on board with the gospel presentation, who are believers, that stand between her and him. The church does not go to Mary to get to Jesus. Mary has to come to church to get to Jesus' message. Mark is carefully woven into this passage. And he even includes it with the house divided against itself cannot stand. We call a church rightly the house of God. And it must be in unity between all members. That doesn't mean that it's just the apostles writing it and then there's the pew warmers. It is all of them together. And Jesus gives even... <coughs> This is the gospel which Jesus says, call no one father, because he reserves that word for God. But he gives the term of brothers and sisters, and that means original, and mother, to all who believe in him. Intimate, familial access. That is, that is what Jesus is coming here to do. He, he's not coming to set up a system of saints or merits or any of it. He's not preaching and he's not being so zealous and he's not kicking mouse traps and making noises in church. He's not ticking off all the rabbis and everybody just to add another system on top of another system. His, his reason for being the it's now, it's the kingdom now is because the relationship, the access to God is now. There's too much, honestly, there's too much preaching today about heaven and eschatology, the end times, and revelation. There are churches that that's all they focus on. What is needed is to get back to this message that Jesus is giving here of today. Each and every one of us has an option to sit at Jesus' face today. Someone asked me once, what's a healthy, what's a healthy church? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can define it. it, it it's people getting along. It, it's, it's people praying and and outside of prayer, one of the indicators I chose to give the answer to was in five years when you know any more Bible than you know today. In five years when you have prayed any more than you have prayed today. The indicator of church health, of health spiritually and how we relate to Jesus is how we stand today. On this particular day, Mary 
James, who would write an epistle later. So remember, if you're feeling like you're on the outside, there's a guy in the Bible, there's a guy who wrote a Bible book that is on the outside today. But on that day, Mary and Jesus' family were on the outside. And instead of sending someone in to go get Jesus, instead of thinking he was crazy, they needed to come inside themselves. And on that day, everyone that was inside the building and listening, they were Jesus' family. And he said in no uncertain terms that they had unlimited access to it. And the same is true for us today. Now, I don't want to ride on anybody that's not at church. It's a great day to be out and doing things. But I do want to comfort everyone who's here today. You're inside the building. You're part of God's family. You're his brother. You're his sister. You're his mother. You have intimate access to him if you just open up and allow it. You may be in your heart thinking, well, God never speaks to me. I, I pray and I don't hear anything. Well, back to our question, will you know more Bible in five years? His word is offered and in the pews. His presence and his spirit is offered in this room, but also in our closets at home. And you avail yourself of the intimacy and relationship that he allows. And if you find yourself on the outside, thinking that Jesus just might be a little crazy, well, don't go down the path of the scribes. Don't start ascribing zealous behavior, striving for justice, wanting the world to be a better place, wanting to see people healed, wanting to see hearts change. Your, your fellow, perhaps, evangelical Christians who pray that maybe, you know, just maybe someone might get saved someday. Don't describe those to mass. That is a dark path we do not want to go down. Let us 